Welcome to On Deck Circle. I'm Michael Levitt, alongside Adam Rosen. And it's it's been a while since we've uh, been here, Adam, wouldn't you say? Just a little bit. J- just a little bit of a long time, you know. Been uh, been about two months, I'd say, since uh, we've been back on campus. And I'm we are both really excited to be back. Oh, yeah. And it's it's good to be back here as well. And... Lot to discuss, lot to catch up on. The hot uh, stove is cook. Hot stove's been cooking lately. Oh yeah, f- about time it has. Takes a little while, but you know what? It happens and it works. Or er, it works. It is back. We've got a lot of free agency stuff. We got some trades to, that we just want to talk about that happened in the last few weeks that we missed. But a couple of other things to start off with, Michael. You can go ahead first. So unfortunately, there are. Two more Hall of Famers that have died this week. Don Sutton and Hank Aaron, both incredible players, both Hall of Famers. Um, Sutton since 98, Aaron since 82. Sutton was had an incredible career, and they both did. And Sutton won 324 games in his career, which is good enough for 14th all-time. Mainly with, Played mainly with the Dodgers. What's most amazing about his career, though, is that in his 23 seasons, he never missed a turn in the rotation or landed on the injured list. You know, I'd say that's yeah. almost impossible for a player to do today. You know, I never knew that until you told me that a little while ago, and I'm, I was, my mouth dropped to the floor. I was mind-boggling. It was, like, mind-boggling. That is unbelievable. I mean, what a stat. Like, that's, like, one of those wild, crazy stats that you, like— that's like a fun fact, like that you just randomly have. Like, or that's like a that's like something on a quiz show, like uh, like a Jeopardy. Like who, like what pitcher? Who is Don Sutton? And I mean, Don Sutton, just one of the best pitchers ever, well, arguably the best Dodgers pitcher ever. And then we have what? Can, what can you say about Henry Aaron, Hank Aaron? Argue the great one of the to some the legitimate, still the home run king. Obviously, um, Barry Bonds. But Barry Bonds had a great tribute to him today. Just one of the greatest greatest players of all time and off the field he was awesome amazing too he had a lot of he was an activist with um and all that and what he did was, really inspired yeah. a whole generation of of young people in this nation too i mean not just for what he did on the field but what he did off of it i mean he was really an incredible person to everyone who knew him sutton was too i mean they were both both were not only had terrific careers but were terrific people and it's it's it really is a shame to see to see greats like this uh move on yeah yeah and you know something uh, a little bit of interesting history there is uh the man who gave up the home run number seven seven fifteen to hank aaron uh, also wore number 44 just uh, al downing so that is a little fun another fun fact so and then there's like the moment where there's two guys who run onto the field after he hits the home run and they're like you're scared because these are two guys, two guys just coming on to the field out of nowhere, and there's a little bit of nerves going in there. And they just go and give him a high five, congratulate him, and then you see, uh, I believe it, I believe Craig Sager was actually on the field right there, and you could see he's like in a white, weird white suit running over to congratulate Hank Aaron on uh, 7:15, and then obviously just one of the best players of all time made what 20 All-Star games well over 20 all-star games and just just a tragic loss one of the just really unfortunate a lot of people everyone looks up to him one of the, one of the greats ever i believe he actually was teammates with willie mays at 26 different all-star games that is over amazing. 22 years it was because they did do multiple all-star games for a few years but yeah. um i mean that's still that's that, i mean that's incredible to make that many all to make it the all-star game in that many seasons it's mind-boggling Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no other way to describe there it. There you go, 25 All-Star games. You know what's crazy? I think he only won MVP once. 
That's actually that's also crazy. He finished in top five of MVP, top three of MVP voting several times. Only one time, he made the All Star game almost every year, literally every year of his career, except for his final and rookie first and his rookie year and his last season. And there's not much else you could say about what Hank Aaron meant to the game of baseball. And just and again, what you're saying off the field, what he meant off the diamond what he meant to the world and U.S. at the time because of the time he was playing during the Civil Rights Era movement and just what what he means to people in that era way as well. So now, sort of transitioning a little bit, it's a, sort of an awkward transition, yeah. but transitioning from these great Hall of Famers now to discuss a little bit, just not go too deep into it, just sort of give the basic facts of what happened with uh, Jared Porter, the former Mets GM. Adam, why don't you dive into that first? Well, all I can say is that what he did was despicable, and there's no place in this world. There's no, not only, especially not in, in the world, no place in the sports world, no place in any world or at all for sexual harassment. And what what Jared Porter did was awful, and just it, it's awful. And though I feel so awful for. Not only the the woman the for, woman he harassed, but just every woman in sports. It's really I would say a sad thing to see because it just continues to happen. And again, I, we don't know everything else, but all I can say is from what it's don't do that. Just yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it really is, uh, and it really is something that I mean not, you, you don't really think topic. should happen, but it. You don't really – it really shouldn't happen at all. I mean, there's there's honestly no excuse for this at all. There's no room for it, and it's in – it's just it's just sad that it continues to happen, and all it's – good good job on the Mets to just say, no, no, it's, we're, we're done, goodbye. But my confusion – I there's other questions I have that – we can get to that at a different time, obviously, but either way, it's sad, and I, I hope that – all women, women in sports and just in the world are able to one day just be comfortable with being in sports because anyone could do that. Anyone could, nobody deserves to feel uncomfortable or unsafe just because of the gender or who they feel, who they are. Nobody deserves to be uncomfortable, especially at all. So, well said. And with that, we will take a quick break. We'll be back to discuss, to recap trades and free agency. Since our last show, we'll be back after this. Can I get a hot take for a KCOU bumper? KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, Missouri. Tune in to one of these nights on KCOU 88.1 FM. Join host Garrett Jones to talk the weirdest and wackiest in all four professional sports. I'm on from Sunday nights from 5 to 6 on KCU 88.1 FM. And if you ever miss a show, catch it wherever you enjoy podcasts. It's one of these nights on KCU 88.1 FM. Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. If you love them enough to sit through their favorite boy band with them... Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ag Council. Just get in and talk about it. I've got to go home. Oh, come on, Carrie. We're going to a new place. She wants to go home, right? Let's go. You okay to drive? Yeah, I'm fine. You're sure? Relax. What's a few beers? If you don't stop your friend from drinking and driving, you're as good as dead. Drinking and driving can kill. KCOU would like to shout out Eastside Tavern. It's the bar that's bizarre. 
downtown Columbia's best karaoke comedy club. With a huge selection of drinks and activities and themed nights every week, Eastside is a solid place to hang out. Part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. My training helps me at work when I lead by example. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my community and those I care about safe from threats. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time close to home by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station. Mac DeMarco, this next song is going out to all you frat boys out there. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to more On Deck Circle here on KCWU 88.1 FM. I'm Adam Rosen, across from Michael Levitt. So... Obviously, since we've been gone for a while, there's been a lot of stuff that happened. Unfortunately, not as much because, uh, I mean, baseball's offseason moves really slowly, and the hot stove is, and it usually takes the, this, I, I think this hot stove, this stove needs to be, I think they, someone needs to go to an appliance store and get a new stove because this one takes forever to preheat. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that pun. Um, so... There's a lot of trades in the big names. I mean, we talked we talked about Francisco Lindor. We all expected that to happen eventually, and Mets uh, go out at, for him. Michael, what are your thoughts on that trade? I mean, it, I mean, I'm happy that eight that more than one more than one team has decided to spend money this offseason. I mean, for most of this offseason, there wasn't really much. Spending a lot of teams were cutting salary, and Lindor getting traded. I mean, obviously, new Mets owner Steve Cohen really wants. I mean, he's willing to spend money, which I mean, it's good to see that in this offseason where everyone's cutting money. As far as a return, I think that's the Mets. I think didn't give it up as much as they should have, honestly, for not only Lindor. Carrasco. But for Carlos Carrasco as well, who's a when he's healthy, he's a ridiculously good pitcher. Oh yeah. And I mean, just think of that rotation now for the Mets. You have Marcus Stroman, you have Jacob Degrom, you have Carlos Carrasco. And if Syndergaard's healthy, well, if he comes back, yeah. yeah. I mean, dep- I mean, depending on when he comes back. I mean, who's the fifth starter there? Would Steven Matz, I believe. Yeah, probably. I mean, wow. I mean, that's or you could argue that's the best. It's I don't think it is the best rotation in baseball, but you could definitely argue that it's. It is, and it's definitely top. T- I don't think it's even debatable. It's top five, top ten. Oh yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I would say, I would say it's not the number one, as we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah. But um, I mean, I th- I think it's it is something that it's something that uh, it re- it really has shown. I, I mean, it could end up working out really well for the Indians. It's just hard to tell at this point. And, I mean, it, it looks like the Mets fleeced them a little bit. At, at this point, yeah. And, I mean, we were talking about, uh, we just talked about it. I mean, this, this, this Mets rotation gives me the vibes of the 2015 Mets where they had, obviously, Matt Harvey, um, young center guard, um, the man, the myth, the legend, Bartolo, and Jacob DeGrom, young Jacob, I guess young Jacob DeGrom. And, I mean, we talked about that rotation. It's a crazy, great rotation. This one might be better. We don't know yet. But yeah, Andres Jimenez, their top, I believe the Mets top was was the Mets top prospect. Ahmed Rosario, who's yeah, uh, Josh Wolf and um, Isaiah Green to Cleveland for Lindor, who is I still think one of the best, arguably the best shortstop in baseball. You can argue that for sure. And then like we said, Carrasco. I mean that's a great deal for the Mets. And I mean you assume with Steve Cohen buying them, and you know he's been spending a lot of money. We, you could probably safely assume they're going to extend him. Yeah, I mean, you would think that Lindor would sign an extension. The thing is, 
the Mets have a few guys to re-sign as it is. Syndergaard's going to be a free agent after next year. Stroman is again after he accepted the qualifying offer. Yeah. And I believe Michael Conforto is going to be a free agent as well. So, I mean, the Mets have, they're probably not going to be able to re-sign all those guys. Yeah. And I obviously Lindor would probably be the one that they would try that's, to re-sign if they gotta, can. Yeah, that's got to be the number one priority because of the, what they did. I mean, they, again, they didn't give up too much, but they still traded for him. I think they have to give up. I think they have to get, they have to go for him number one. He has to get a number one priority for re-signing. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's, I mean, it's hard. It obviously makes it, if they don't re-sign him, it makes what they gave up not as, it makes it seem not as good for the Mets. I mean, obviously, what they gave up seems a lot better if they can sign him to an extension. Because part of probably I'm part of why they didn't give up as much for him is because he only has one year left. And yeah. I mean, correct. I mean, typically players who have one year left on their contract don't get too much in return in trades. No. And obviously including Carrasco increases the value, but it's not necessarily if Lindor had a, a few more years, maybe Cleveland wouldn't trade him. But if they did, they would probably get more back in return. Granted, I mean they got a couple good young infielders. Probably their middle in the middle middle infield duo for this year, um, in Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez. Yeah. Um, as to which one plays second and which one plays short, I'm not sure. But and uh, I don't think they say know. Cesar Hernandez is still second. If he, I think he's free. a free agent. Actually. Oh, you're right. He is a free agent. My bad. But that's not the only big trade that happened. The Padres went out and traded for, like, every starting pitcher in baseball. So, first off, there were rumors about Blake Snell getting out, wanting... I don't think there were really rumors that he wanted to be out, but there were rumors about him being traded. And then the Padres, out of no, pulled that off um, uh, just a few days after... They got a little bit of a late Christmas gift with uh, acquiring Blake Snell, who we all know what happened with him and... uh, the World Series, and apparently a few wee days ago he was re- he seemed to be really infuriated about it, saying that we handed them the Dodgers the World Series. Uh, but I think that's a great trade for them. And then they obviously went out <clears throat> like a day later and grabbed Yu Darvish from the Chicago Cubs, giving up. The, the Blake Snell trade to me makes a lot of sense. Both trades make a lot of sense because, I mean, they're just trying, they're really trying to build up to compete with the Dodgers because, and again, I still think the Dodgers are the better team right now, but this makes them a st- this makes them the biggest. I think this makes them the biggest threat to the Dodgers in the National League. Even if they're not going to, even if I still think the Dodgers are better. I mean, what they gave up for, for Blake Snell. I mean, what are your thoughts on this trade? Both. Trades. I think it's a decent return for Tampa Bay. I mean, you get a good young pitcher in Luis Patino. Get Francisco Mejia, who, if he can't, he's a good hitter. If he can't stay a catcher. They move him to first or third. I mean, he's he has experience playing other positions. Um, I, I if if I think his sort of he hasn't really made it. He hasn't proven himself at the major league level yet. He hasn't had much success. But and Patino hasn't really either. But they're both in small enough sample sizes where they could they can turn it around. And they did get a couple other minor league pitchers as well or not pitchers, but players as well. And, I mean, they... It... I, I think San, San Diego's really going all in for, for this season. This isn't... I mean, this trade, not only... They they did make a couple other trades as well. One of them we'll get to in a little bit. But it's... If San Diego ends up not winning a World Series with this team that after making these trades, if they end up not making it in the next couple of years and they end up not winning a championship, it's a bad look. they're going to look back on this moment and, I mean, they, they might regret making some of these trades because they gave up a, some good talent. And although, Yeah. Although, yeah. Although, to me, I feel like because they didn't give up money either, they gave up Mejia, Patino... But they still were able to keep um, Mackenzie Gore, which is a huge, huge thing because Mackenzie Gore is their top prospect, and he's one of the best. I believe he is the top left-handed pitching. He might be the top pitching prospect in baseball, if not the top left-hander. I mean, he's going to be a stud in the big leagues, and 
I mean, if he comes up this year, he might be their fifth starter. Or, heck, their long reliever. They they had the chance to just keep him down to the minors another year because a little bit to help him develop. But then when you get – I mean, you get Blake's – what you're saying. We get Blake Snell, who's a fantastic pitcher, but the problem is his, his durability. The, but that could be – who knows? Maybe the Padres will decide that he can go longer than five or six innings because that's just the Rays. That's the Rays method. And then they also got ha- – I don't want to mispronounce it. Hassan Kim – from the KBO, who is the pretty much the top um, top rated player from Korea in this coming off season, twenty uh, five year old. He he slashed three hundred six, three ninety seven, five twenty three in the KBO last season in twenty twenty. He's only twenty five, two Gold Gloves, and he can make many positions in the infield. And he's, I mean, that's an outstanding thing for them, and means Cronenworth can they have de- a ton of depth. Yeah, Cronenworth would probably move to left field in that case, um, and Kim would play second. Is my is what I mean? That's what I've heard at least. And Tommy Pham. Yeah, you have him. Um, I mean, you would have Will Myers and Wright probably. They've got yeah, they've got a great problem, and that's too much depth. I mean, <clears throat> you can't really have any, you can't really complain about having too much depth. I mean, my thought is that. I know they regret. I still. I would say if I had to compare them side by side with L- Los Angeles, I'd say they definitely have the better rotation, and because obviously they also acquired Joe Musgrove, who's still I think fourth starter at best, really. But I mean, that's still really good. I think their rotation is better than the Dodgers, but I still think the Dodgers is a very good rotation. I think the Dodgers bullpen is definitely better, and I still would take the Dodgers lineup because I mean you got two MVPs there. And, I mean, that's obviously the Dodgers still haven't filled in third base. There's rumors about them wanting to look into trading for Chris Bryant or trying to re-sign Justin, bring back Justin Turner. But <clears throat> that's going to be a fun division to watch because of those two teams. Especially. Yeah, I mean, those they could end up being the top two teams in the NL. I mean, obviously the Braves have a right to be in that conversation too. But, I, I mean, it's... It's going to be fun. I mean, this year, I think there's going to be a lot of competition, um, especially between Padres and Dodgers. And, I mean, especially with trading for you, Darvish, as well. I mean, that's – I mean, they they didn't, honestly didn't – it looks at this point like they didn't give up much. They gave up um, They gave up a lot of young minor league prospects. Four minor league prospects and Zach Davies, who has one year left, um, who – I mean, he, he's good. I think, I mean, if the Cubs end up signing him to an extension and the and at least two of the minor league players end up working out, I mean, I think that's really, this could turn into a win for them. I mean, obviously, Darvish was ridiculous. So, I mean, it's hard to part with someone like that. To me, I think that this seems like a Cubs are like, I don't know what they're doing. We know we're both Cubs fans, but objectively, I, I feel like this 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 looks like it's a salary dump because they paid part of his contract as well and they didn't get what i feel like a top 10 a top a pitcher who finished top two in cy young voting get i know he's older but i feel like that could get you a little bit more but it looks like a salary dump and with the way the over with the way the cubs offseason has looked where they have been they've really done nothing in terms of re-signing or signing anybody except for austin romine earlier today i mean this seems just to be a the Cubs are for looking to some do all. It seems like they're looking towards. I don't even know if they're retooling. I feel like they're going towards another rebuild, and they it doesn't nobody. I don't think it seems like they have much of a direction on the other other side of town. The White Sox look great, and they made a couple of big. They made a big trade this offseason as well. Yeah, I mean, getting Lance Lynn, I, I that's huge for their rotation because that's sort of one. That's one of the main things they were missing this year was a quality was a good a really good starting pitcher and I mean I mean obviously you have Giolito and Keuchel but after those two yeah. I mean there was a drop-off and that having a third really good starting pitcher yeah uh, I mean that that could be the difference in a playoff series especially if it's a, vet, a guy like Lance Lynn who's a veteran he's been this but he's been in these situations before and I believe he's I mean La Russa is former manager that's something he's gonna like probably um, they also went and made a couple of free agency signings. We'll get to that in a little bit after we have a couple more trades to recap. And one of those is hey, the Nationals have made some great moves this offseason, I think. Yeah, I mean, they, 
they they've really had they've had a good off season. They've made um, some good signings. They've had. I I think their main move that they've made, um, sort of the best move that they made, I think, is this trade. For Josh Bell. And and getting Josh Bell, yeah. I mean, I think that's sort of, that is the climax of their offseason. I think so. And I like the other side. I like the signings they made. I, I I like the John Lester signing for them because it's a veteran guy, another veteran guy, lefty, who can be a four or five. He's not that he's not what he used to be at all, but he still could be a serviceable guy if he can stay healthy. And um you get uh him on a very cheap deal. You also get Kyle Schwarber who can help come he he and Bell. Schwarber and Bell can really help Soto out by being protection for him in the lineup because behind Soto there's really didn't seem to be much beside on that lineup hitting batting lineup last season it was really Turner and Soto it felt like yeah I mean that's there wasn't really I mean obviously they lost Rendon which hurts they lost Harper the year before but I mean they needed another good bat in the lineup I mean their first baseman was the first base was a rotating position for them because of Zimmerman up right, out. and so was third base for the yeah. most part. And then after Starlin Castro was good, was doing good, but then he got hurt, which didn't help. So I mean, I, I think getting some, getting everyone back healthy and trying to sort of solidify those positions, I, th- I I'm getting Bell solidifies first base. They still haven't really solidified third base, but that's a whole nother discussion. That's key. I think that's going to be a, oh, they're going to try and continue to develop key boom. Um, but also they have the power that Bell and Schwarber bring is a lot. Yeah. And the, yeah. And then the Angels made a trade for... Um, for Rezel Iglesias, which I think this actually is... is one of the more underrated trades of the offseason. I was about to say the same thing. I, I mean, Iglesias was ridiculously good last year. He's a high-leverage bullpen arm. The Angels don't really seem to have many solidified roles in their bullpen. And guys who have proven themselves um, like proven themselves a lot at the major league level. And getting, getting Iglesias really... I mean that not only pushes everyone down a spot in the in the bullpen, but it also it also shows that I mean they're they're trying to win right now, and that I mean that just I mean you you can't not try to win when you have Mike Trout. I mean, and now they have Anthony Rendon. I mean they have they have some cash tied up with Pujols, and I mean obviously Trout's making a lot, but you still have to go for it and try to win. I mean you're they're not they're not trying to not, not waste but basically get go through Trout's whole career with the team by not making a postseason and getting Iglesias just that it's a big step up for them I mean he's they haven't had a shutdown reliever like this in a long time yeah I agree with you there <clears throat> But then we have a, and now on to some other, now not trades, these are more, these are obviously signings. George Springer, uh, sorry Astros fans, he is a Blue Jay. And that, that is, that helps the Blue Jays a lot, as well as a couple of other, uh, another signing they made. Um, I mean, they're going to be a lot of, I think the Blue Jays can really make a serious, I don't think they're going to be that, divi- win that division, but I think with him, uh, him and a couple of other moves they made, Michael. I, I think the, we can both agree they're going to be a very good team next year. Oh yeah, I mean they're the young talent still developing. They're right at that stage, almost almost like what the Cubs were in 2015. Yeah, where you you make it to the playoffs, you get far, but you can't quite make it to the next level yet. You still need your guys to develop, and you go out and sign some veteran guys. Try to help these guys develop and help the team as a whole. And Signing Springer, signing Kirby Yates. I mean, the, these are signings that not only brings veteran talent to the team that can help mon- mentor the younger guys and show him, show them the how, how to do things, but it also improves the team now. And, yeah, I mean, may, you paid Springer a lot of money. But he's when, worth that. We, he, we, he is right now. The question is, will he be... When the deal's toward towards the end, when there's two years left on the deal, I mean, four years from now, is is he still going to be worth that? 
And I don't know that he will, but I, I mean, I, I think he will, but obviously we don't know at this point. You so never I, know. Yeah. But I think what you were saying, back, comparing it to the, those Cubs a few years ago, the Cubs at that point, uh, they had just lost again. Eight, uh, the Cubs in 14 lost, like, what, 89 games? But it was the first time in a while they had lost less than 90. So, And then they go out in the offseason and sign a, ma- a big name, big ticket guy in John Lester, and that helps them get them over that hump and gets them to the playoffs for the first time in oh, eight, seven years. And then the next season they go to the World they, Then they sign Jason Hayward, go to the World Series, win it. And fall apart, but we don't talk about that. Um, but I, I like the Springer move because of what it, what you just said. It feels eerily similar to that because they sign a big-name guy to be, I guess, not really the franchise player, but, like, the, the, the guy who can mentor and be the leader of this team. Yeah, I mean, he's really... I mean, he's... They didn't necessarily have a center fielder and... I mean, he's now their best outfielder on the team. There's no question no about that. Doubt. I mean, no doubt. And it, it solidifies another spot in your lineup. I mean, the way it was, the way they were they were planning to be, it was going to be. I mean, you have um, Tiasco Hernandez now moves to DH, pr- presumably with Randall Grichuk probably moving from center to right, and. I mean, obviously that helps your defense. Springer's a lot better defender than Hernandez was. And, I mean, it's, it's good offensively too, but it's something that, it is something that you have to pay a lot of money for, but at the same time, it's worth it for this team because of where they are in their development. I mean, you still have Biggio, you still have Bichette, you still have Vlad, you still have these young guys who if they can take the next step, you could make it to a championship in a year or two. I mean, it, 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 a lot of things depend on that, but it's it's in the realm of possibility. It depends on the development of those younger guys, but obviously, I think I, we've we've seen photos of Vladimir Jun- Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's slimmed up a lot, and he could, and if he can to- continue to slim up, tone up, and build a little bit more strength, I feel like he could become one of the better home run hitters in the league. Because I mean, we saw what he did at the home run derby, and obviously, home run derbies are totally different than an actual season but he's got ridiculous power and that's something that to look to and then another uh, obviously we said a little bit about kirby yates with them another big name reliever goes to the south side uh so liam Hendricks signed with the white Sox for three years i believe 50 a little over 50 million i was shot i did not expect that I really didn't expect him to go. I was, I, it was talked about slightly, but I really didn't see him going to the White Sox. I didn't see, but what, what, what a pickup! I think my issue, a little issue with that, is that relievers, like we've talked about this before, how relievers are really volatile and they can be up and down, especially when they're over thirty. Um, you saw what happened, Craig Kimbrell. He was fantastic with ball, uh, that fantastic, and then he misses a few months, gets ramps it up, signs, and just falls apart completely um there's very few cases there's very few relievers i'd say where they just for some reason never fall off and that's like mariano rivera um or you can make a case for a role this chapman except in the playoffs but william Hendricks, i mean that's a fantastic signing this i think for now we don't we we've yet to see it but i think that makes them really good that makes their bullpen one of the best and just their in general their pitching staff one of the better team pitching staffs in the league. Yeah, between this and the Lance Lynn trade, it really they've really improved their pitching. And I mean, I just like you, I was surprised he went to the White Sox. I thought they would add a reliever, especially since Alex Colomay is a free agent. But I think I didn't really ex- I didn't really expect them to get Hendricks. I expected them to go almost a tier down from that. Get someone more like Brad Hand or someone like that. And who I mean it's an interesting signing. The thing I found the most interesting about the contract though was that fourth year option. So through the first years first 3 years he's getting 39 million. Then for the fourth year he can get a 15 million dollar option. Or a fifteen, or they can buy him out for fifteen million. So either way, you're paying the fifteen million. I mean, I just don't understand why you would, why not just have the fourth year for fifteen million? Then why not just have a four-year, fifty-four million dollar contract? Why have an option for that fourth year? 
that yeah. that's the part that just didn't make sense to me. I see that. I agree with that because then you could just trade him if you don't like what happened. If you if your something happens and your team's not doing well, I I don't foresee that. I think the White Sox are going to be great for the next five, six, seven years probably. But who knows at that point? But yeah, I mean, I, I this White Sox team is going to be really dangerous this year, and I I, I think. I think they're the favorites for this division. Oh, for the division, probably, yeah. I mean, the Twins really—they've probably lost more, or they've I mean, lost more than they've gained at this they point. They haven't really done much. I mean, Jay uh, Jay Happs a few days ago, right? But, but Oda Rizzi is a free agent, so that so Happ basically replaces him. And they still has a step down they anyway. Still haven't signed Nelson Cruz, which is a little concerning at this point. Yeah, I mean. I think I, I think part of that is that Cruz wants to wait for NL DH. for for the league to announce yeah. if there's going to be a DH in the NL. But I mean, there's I saw another rumor the White Sox are potentially in on him. I mean, imagine that. Oh, that yeah, that would that would be him, a great you could signing. Argue they're the best team in baseball, or oh, at least yeah. in the American League. I, but you never know. But another team that I would say is the best team in baseball or uh, best team in the American League right now, the Yankees. I feel like they robbed DJ LeMayhew on this contract. I mean, obviously, LeMayhew is getting up. He's about 32. But I feel like your your hitting ability, your ability to know when to swing in contact doesn't decrease over age because I don't feel like you're going to lose too much of your your baseball IQ there. But six, what, six years, $96 million? It feels like it's a – I thought he was getting a hunt triple digits, and he doesn't, but great deal for the Yankees. I mean, he's getting $15 million a year, which is still a lot of money. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's getting what you just said it like ninety million roughly um, over six years. I mean, that's for someone at his age, that's a lot. And I, I think it's a great signing. I mean, bat speed does I think tend to slow down with age a yes. little bit. So I think that's maybe part of why they did that. Because I mean, paying paying someone for six years when they're thirty two years old, you're paying them through their thirty age thirty eight season. Are they really going to be at that same level then that they are now? And probably not, but you're pro- he's going to be less valued. He's going to be better than he's getting paid now, but then he's going to be probably worse than what he's getting paid down the road. Of course. So it's a give and take, and I, I think the Yankees understand that, and I think that's why I'm surprised No, a lot of other teams didn't try to get him and I mean a lot of other teams did try to get him but weren't willing to pay that much money for him yeah and then another signing another guy who's a contact hitter getting up there in age Michael Brantley we thought he was going to the Astra or sorry he started just going to the Blue Jays then a few hours later there's a report that it do- that's not true then he goes to the Ash then he goes back to the Astros two years 16 mil two years 32 million 16 a year so that that was interesting you've got a couple other signings we can talk about here as well. Yeah, I mean the Brantley one's an interesting one because not only the Astros, if he signs with the Blue Jays or any other team besides the Astros, Springer already left. Now you have to replace Brantley too, and I think Josh Reddick's a free agent. And then I mean, where's Houston going to get these outfield? I mean, they would probably sign someone, but it's not necessary. It's not. It's not like you have someone ready to step in. I think they're going to be heavily in on Jackie Bradley Jr. And if they don't get him. I, I could see Miles Straw taking that spot for now because he's real, he's pretty darn fast. He's just got to get his bat better. But another team, another signing, Carlos Santana. That that one shocked me a little. That was a little confusing. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I mean Kansas City hasn't exactly had the best first base production in the past couple of years. Uh, I mean they've been going with um, I think Hunter Dozier played there a little bit, and then they had um, Ryan O'Hearn, who's been decent, nothing exciting. I mean, he's probably in the lower half of starting first baseman. For sure. Um, so, I mean, Santana's obviously, he walks a lot. He hits for average. Not as much power as he used to have. Doesn't hit, maybe hits 20 homers. Doesn't hit much more than that over a full season. A um, lot of, good amount of doubles. I mean, I think that's a good signing. I am I feel like it's a placeholder. Yeah, it basically is. Because Kansas City isn't really... They have a lot of good young pitching. They don't really... Their hitting's not really at the same level. You still have Hunter Dozier. You still have Whit Merrifield. But but where's... The, Salvador Perez is still there. But you don't really have... Much else. Other... Um, you don't really have other hitters who can... Who are at that level where you're going to compete. And, I mean... The, the pitching is going to have to... 
I mean, the pitchers are young. When they develop, yeah. I mean, that could be a year or two from now. So I think signing Santana is more... It is a placeholder at this point. It's not someone who's going to be part of their long-term plan. Yeah, and then a couple more. Charlie Morton to the Braves. I like that because I don't know if Mike Soroka's pitching this year. I know Obviously, it's not Tommy John, but an Achilles injury is an Achilles injury, so we don't know when he'll be back. Uh, and then James McCann to the Mets. That's an all right signing. I'm, I know a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, what a great signing. I, I, I'm still not fully in on James McCann. I know he's been good the last two years over the last – what 100 200 games sample but I, I i'm not exactly sure because i don't like his defensive metrics as much and his contact is good but i just eh, it's an all right signing yeah i mean i i understand why they went after mccann considering they were still in on springer and i mean there's talk they still might get trevor bauer or at least there was talk at the time when they signed mccann that they were in on trevor bauer and I mean, signing someone, instead of signing Riomuto, signing McCann, who's the Definitely. second the second tier of, of catchers. And way cheaper. Yeah. Um, that frees up more money to then spend on either Springer or Bauer or sign Lindor or Syndergaard. I mean, that makes sense as to why they did that. And I, I, McCann's obviously a great defender. He's one of the... I mean, he's up there as far as defensive catchers. He definitely deserves a... He deserves a starting job at this point. I agree. Um, he w- he was the backup to Grandall, the pa- Yasmani Grandall in Chicago the past couple or the last, past year. Last year, and then um, he was. I mean, he really broke out, and I mean, he's someone who I think, given regular playing time, can can really take. He can. I mean, if he can f- continue that production, I think that's a really good signing for the Mets. All right, and then. We have a little bit more to cover, but we will have to take one more quick break, and then we will be right back from our on-deck circle here on KCU 88.1 FM. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Tommy Wiseau, and you listen Columbia KCOU 88.1 FM. Hopefully you have a groovy time. A delicious power breakfast. Great way to start the day. I'm Brandon Anthony. And I'm Keegan Hartman. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to listen to me. And me on our new show, Breakfast of Champions. Here on KCOU Sports, KCOU 88.1 FM. Tune in to High and Tight with me and my co-host Logan Perone as we catch you up on the latest signings, trades, news, scores, and highlights from around America's pastime. Every Sunday at 11 a.m. on the 88.1 FM stream and on our website kcu.fm on the blue box. Hey Mizzou, did you know that research at the Wellness Resource Center indicates that 90% of MU students do not approve of being rude to other fans? This is why Mizzou has the best fans in America. This public service announcement has been brought to you by the Wellness Resource Center, Craft Beer Cellar, and KCOU 88.1 FM. Look at me, busy as a bee, where'd I get all this energy? Oh man, mmm man, I don't sleep and I don't eat. But I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, meth, mm, meth. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, meth, mm, meth. KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU Sports. I think Kid A is probably their best single album. Uh, my favorite individual song is Life in a Glass House, the perfect uh, mixture of harmony and chaos. Ken Bone, Radio Man, KCOU.
Welcome back to On Deck Circle here on KCOU 88.1 FM. And Adam, I think, uh, I mean, I think we sort we might have, we might have different opinions on this, but I mean, there are a lot of good free agents still out there at this point. I agree. And definitely. That's not what I was saying we would be we would have different opinions about. What's what's di- what, what I was thinking we would have different opinions about is who the top free agents out there now are. All right, we're going to have a fight whenever we just dis- when we disagree, ready? All right, let's go. All right, let's do it. We want to go 5 to 1 or 1 to 5? Let's go 1 to 5. All right. Number 1 for me is Real Muto. I would agree there. Number 2 to me is Bauer. See, I would have to go Nelson Cruz. I just okay. feel like I mean, he's up there in age, but I think at this point in his career, he's he can still handle it. And Bauer, I think, hasn't had as much success in his career. Believe it or not, I was actually on that page for a little, and then I realized what Bauer does. What if you look actually, and and you look at Bauer's previous ninety starts. His so about I, three seasons, roughly. Yeah. 500 and compare them to Garrett Cole for for Bowers 33 years leading into his free agency versus Garrett Cole's. So before free, going to free agency, 315 ERA for Bauer, 321 for Garrett Cole. 29% strikeouts versus 8% walk for uh, or K strikeouts to uh, walks percentage for Bauer, 21% and 26% for Cole. Ground ball percentage about forty one for about forty for each. Babip pretty much the same. So yeah, if you look at it, actually they obviously we see Bauer has some really really brutal rough seasons compared to what Garrett Cole's got. But if you look, actually, if you think about it, what look at the diff? They're very similar. Their last three years going into their free agency terms are very eerily similar. And then we see what Bauer did. He win the Cy Young last year. I mean, obviously, it's a really tiny sample size, but it's just intriguing to see that, what oh, they did. And he, yeah, I mean, he's the top free agent pitcher this offseason. There's no, no doubt about no that. Doubt, no doubt. Um, I just think Nelson Cruz adds more value to a team at this point. I can see I, that. Especially if the NL ends up adopting the DH. That's 15 more teams that have an extra position that is probably... Because they're thinking it's just going to be a bench guy at this point. So that there's 15 players who he's better than, in theory, that aren't necessarily there now. Where I mean, Bauer would obviously improve a lot of rotations. I just think it's not Cruz adds more value. I mean, he can't play a position, but he's he adds more value hitting-wise than Bauer does pitching-wise. And then actually, <clears throat> another thing is, if you obviously, if you want to just look at the last 11 starts... Of the their respective walk years, so free agency years, Bauer's ERA is one seven three, uh, which is the entire twenty twenty season. Garrett is one five one. Obviously, Bauer's is a lot is less, but is higher. But if you look at them, they're. I mean, again, we talked about this. We have. I know a friend of ours likes to point out that um, Bauer's uh, compared to Tanner Rourke for some reason. I don't understand that, but. I think there's a little bit of a recency bias with Bauer, but if you look at it, obviously the the full season numbers aren't great, but when you look at the comparisons, when you combine all those last three, they're very good. Uh, But to me, another thing is, and then after that, I said Cruz is my number three because Cruz, what we know, we can do. If he's your DH, he's going to absolutely rake. Yeah, I went with Bauer as number three. More more as a, not as much a, not as much something that brings Bauer down, but more that, more because of how good Cruz is, not oh, because I, of how bad I, Bauer I, I is. I would, it de- honestly, would depend on my mood for who's number two and who's three there, because they're both so, both add a lot of value to your team depending on where you are. Oh no doubt, and yeah. The, number four to me is Ozuna because Ozuna, I mean, he had a fantastic year this past season, but like before that, was he? He was not nearly what he was now, and I want to see more out of him. But I feel like he can be a great DH somewhere. Depends where if we have an internet international um, league D. National League DH. Thank you. I could not put the words in my mouth, out of my mouth. And then five, Semyon. I don't like Semyon that much uh, as a hitter. I think his uh, 2019 was kind of a fluke of a year because before that he was nothing. He was very 
pretty awful hitting wise compared to what you would expect. But he's a very good defender and he's versatile. I think that's an interesting move. I think there's a lot of talk with the Dodgers looking at him as a third baseman if they don't get Turner back or even second base, depending on what they do. But, but yeah, I think those are consensus top five. Yeah, I went with Ozuna four and Semyon five that's as well. What I thought. And I think. Semyon's probably not going to play shortstop wherever he ends up. Most likely. A not. lot of teams are looking at him at either second base or third base. I know Boston's looking at him at second. Um, I think Toronto's looking at him at third, as are the Dodgers. Um, I mean, that's he's he's good defensively, no doubt about that. And he's played both second and third before. His hitting's really the one thing that I think it's not holding him back, but it's it's, it's the one thing that he hasn't proven himself as well to me. Yeah, he's had that one year. And um, that one year, like, 2019 was like, it was go- it was very good. I just don't think it was as great as people want to think it was. And then, lastly, we've got other news. Michael, I know you really want to talk about this one. You can go to first. Yeah, so um, Theo Epstein was hired as, by the, he was hired by the MLB, the league, to be a, new, a consultant on, to quote, on-field matters. So, basically what he would do is he'll try to determine the effects of potential rule changes to help the sport overall. So, I mean, trying to think about what the repercussions of a rule would be and how it could, I mean, positive and negative. And I'm actually really excited for this. I think this is, I mean, he's had a great career, and I just don't know how much, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer at this point, no, no, no he's, doubt. He's got his own. He's got like his own section in Cooperstown, right? Just being built for him. It's just on. It's like a whole building they've built for him, and it's just not revealed yet. Just watch. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. I just. I don't think he has anything left to prove in running a team. So I think this is a great new challenge for him. Potentially, it could set him up to be the commissioner one day. Who knows? I mean, it's. It's a new challenge for him, and I think it's one that I think it's one that would, could really end up, I mean, solidifying his legacy even more. Yeah, I think he's welcome in this one as well. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, not only not only because of who he is, but also because so many young people today aren't as interested in baseball as they were even ten years ago. I mean, even it, five. Yeah, I mean, the, the game's really. It really has changed, and I, I mean, I'm excited to see what he can do to try to turn that around. Mm-hmm. I agree, 100. percent And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see what he does. Just please don't ban the shift. The shift is cool, and the shift is fun. Keep it. So on that note, we will, uh, and we're going to be done for the week. We will see you again next week to discuss more baseball news, probably more. Since we had this recap today, probably more um, analysis than recap for next week. But 